as the kids are exiting as fast as they can for some reason, I'm going to invite you to find Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, I realize that's not the scripture listed in the bulletin, and I can explain as you're finding Psalm chapter 1. I worked really hard all week uh, to prepare a sermon from 1 Peter, and the more I worked on it, the less comfortable I felt about preaching it on Mother's Day Sunday. Uh, It's just, it's a passage that's going to need a lot of teaching, and I didn't think that Mother's Day Sunday was a good Sunday for a really heavy teaching kind of sermon. Uh, What I wanted for you this morning is a more straightforward word from the Bible that I hope will be encouraging. Just a straightforward, encouraging word from God for you this morning. And I think that's what the Lord led me to in Psalm chapter 1. We're just going to read the first three verses. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That's the scripture I feel like the Lord led me to for this Sunday morning. And it offers a principle that if we will apply it to our lives, we will be like a tree planted by streams of water. It's a picture of deep, real, spiritual health and vibrancy. That's the promise in verse 3. And when it says he, that Hebrew word is, is just the unit for an individual. Okay, so we can absolutely apply it also to females. We can absolutely apply it to moms. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Like Meredith mentioned earlier, motherhood can be withering work. Uh, I've never experienced it personally. Well, I kind of I've experienced my mom's motherhood, so I have it that way. And I've witnessed Meredith, and I know many of you, and I know that it can be withering work. It's a high and often heavy calling to be a mom. You know, there's the emotional turmoil of wanting a child, um, having a child, not being able to have a child. There's the emotional turmoil of letting children go, which I know many of our moms in here are looking ahead to that as some of these guys and gals who seem like they should still be about 11 or 12 years old or are actually 19 and moving out and leaving. There's the challenge of just feeding little humans. There's the challenge of newborn all night long getting up feedings. There's the challenge of teenage boys with all their friends uh, like locusts swarming through the kitchen eating everything. How are we going to afford this grocery budget feedings? There's the hard work of taking to school and picking up from school and doing homework and um, dealing with the wounds and scrapes and cuts and bruises and uh, answering the questions and um, just being forever and always on call. 
Uh, it can be exhausting. It can be withering work. And this passage gives several promises. If we will apply this to our lives, if we will embrace this passage, it gives several promises that I think, I hope, will be very encouraging, especially to anyone in who, who may be feeling a bit withered right now. The first promise is that if we will apply this passage to our lives, we will be like a tree planted by streams of water. We will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. I want to think about that yielding its fruit in its season for just a minute. Um, If you're an apple tree, when it's the right season, what should you yield? Apples. Okay? You know, whatever kind of fruit tree you are, if you're a healthy fruit tree, when the time comes, that's the sort of yield that you're going to produce, that sort of fruit. Now, as Christians, there's certain fruit that we ought to produce. If we're healthy as Christians, there's certain, a certain yield that ought to come in the right time, in the right season. There's fruit that all Christians, not just moms, uh, should yield. You should expect to see these things. The best list for it is Galatians 5.22. I'll invite you to turn to it. Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22 describes the fruit of the Spirit. These are things that all Christians should, over time, see developing in their lives naturally. Because this is the kind of tree you are. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. Okay, this is an example of the kind of fruit that Christians should produce and will produce if they apply the principle that we see here in Psalm chapter 1 to our lives. So, when you think about things like love or peace or patience, these are not things that you by brute effort bring about in your life. These are things that when you become a Christian and you receive a new heart through Jesus Christ, become a natural part of who you are. And the language is botanical, not mechanical. It, it comes about like stuff that you see come about in your garden. Over time, it grows. Slowly and subtly and surely. Over time, one year, two years, five years, ten years, as you're a Christian, continue to be nurtured in the gospel. These characteristics ought to grow in your life. Now, for moms... This is the kind of love that's tough. This is the kind of love that um, loves even the unlovely. Even our children can sometimes seem unlovely. I mean, not my children, but your children. (laughs) When it's hard, Christian fruit of the Spirit love still loves. You know, in all the complicated in-law relationships that that develop over time as you're married and and you, you... you know, get connected through sons-in-laws and daughters-in-laws into other families. The kind of love that Christ brings about in our hearts is real, tough, unconditional kind of love. And that grows naturally when we're spiritually healthy. The same with peace. Okay, there's, there is much to make you moms anxious. Okay, anyone in here, both a mother and, feel somewhat prone to anxiety? Would anybody admit to that? 
Well, not as many as I expected. Too anxious to raise your hand. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot of details swirling around. There's a lot of dates to remember if you have young children in school. Uh, there's a lot of potential dangers. There's, there's just a lot to keep in mind to be a vigilant mom, and I know that it makes you anxious. Okay, but as Christians, even in the midst of that vigilance, even in the midst of being a responsible mom, peace will grow. Over time, the fruit of peace, real wholeness, real trust in the Lord grows when you're spiritually healthy. Patience is like this. It's a fruit. Okay, I thought I was a patient until I became a father. I thought I was just the most laid-back, patient guy. And then, all of a sudden, I was in a bathroom with tile-lined walls and floors where any sound echoes and reverberates really loudly, trying to bathe little creatures who were working against me and being very, very loud. I've never lost my patience as much as in that situation. And where I thought I was actually patient, I think really what I was was able to act patient long enough to get through the frustration. But when you're a parent, sometimes the frustration outlasts the patient act. And then all of a sudden you snap. Real patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Real patience, the real ability to bear with someone who is unbearable. Real patience is a fruit of the Spirit, and it comes about as we are spiritually healthy, as we live the way our passage in Psalm 1 describes. Now, there's also some fruit that is more specific to parents and moms that will come about in its season as we apply this to our lives. Availability to our children. You can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 6. A natural instinct to be involved with our children, grandchildren, children-in-law. You can see that in Ephesians 6. The ability to teach and train and discipline. That's in all kinds of different passages. Uh, the, the heart and ability to nurture younger people. You can see that in Titus chapter 2. The ability to be a model of godliness. You can see that back in Deuteronomy chapter 4. There's a lot of natural things that the Lord will bring about in you as mothers and grandmothers and stepmothers and mothers-in-law. There's a lot of natural good things that will come about if you're spiritually healthy, as Psalm chapter 1 describes. So the first promise I wanted to point out, if we'll apply verses 1 and 2, which we're going to talk about at the end of the sermon... We'll enjoy verse 3, which means it will be planted like a tree near streams of water and will yield fruit, the right fruit, the good fruit in its season. The second promise is that our leaf will not wither. It says, and its leaf will not wither. We um, have been planting things around our house recently, trying to pretty things up this spring. And we planted some kind of a vine sort of thing that's supposed to spread and, and grow. And we planted two of them around a large bush. Okay, And the bush casts a shadow on one of them and when the sun's at its hottest, but not on the other one. And we've noticed that the one in the shadow seems to be looking good. The leaves look vibrant. And the one that's sort of right there scorched by the sun all day, the leaves seem to be kind of withering. 
That idea of withering is the idea here. That won't happen is what we're promised if we'll apply verses 1 and 2 to our lives. Our leaves will not wither. Uh, Even when uh, the scorching heat of being a parent blazes on you for a long period of time, you will have such a source of nutrients in life that you won't wither. You know, even when the kids have moved out and the nest is empty and the loneliness sets in, your leaf won't wither. Even when your children or grandchildren are sick or tragedies happen in your family, you'll be so hardy that you'll survive. Even through all the trials and turmoils of aging yourself as a parent, your leaf won't wither. It's a beautiful promise. And then one more promise for us. In all that he does, he prospers. So we're promised that we'll yield fruit, that our leaf will not wither, and that and the things that we attempt to do will prosper. That word prosper is the idea of just pushing forward, pushing out, uh, keeping in this uh, plant illustration, tree illustration. Um, it's the idea of something that just grows. You know, I plucked a bush up out of our yard, out of the the red clay soil, a sickly old bush, pulled it out, roots and everything, just get rid of it. We're going to plant something new that maybe will survive. Why is it that when you want a plant to survive, it, it doesn't want to? And yet this bush, I threw out in the woods. I just threw it out into the woods. I didn't even look at where it landed. I knew the general area. And then I went out there later, maybe a year later, And that bush had taken root and was growing out in the woods. That's kind of the idea of this, this whatever he does, he prospers. Like that bush, even out there in in the inhospitable land of the woods, it was prospering. It was growing. That's the promise for us here in this passage. You know, he read, Jeff read the Proverbs 31 passage, which uh, presents a picture of this woman that's really unattainable. I mean, this woman works 24 hours a day and is an awesome, uh, an awesome wife, an awesome mom, uh, only goes to the store occasionally because mainly she makes everything herself, grows everything herself, buying real estate, buying fields, making investments. This picture is sort of the ultimate picture of the wise woman, the wise wife, the wise mother. It's kind of the, the, um, the perfect standard that, that we all move toward, that we try for. But the promise here is that we'll be growing toward images like that. We'll be growing toward Jesus' perfection even if we will apply verses 1 and 2 to our lives. So for you women, that means in your retirement, you'll be thriving. In uh, the grandma years, you'll be thriving. In your working years where you're trying to be uh, as on top of things as a stay-at-home mom, yet also working, which as Meredith mentioned, I don't believe is possible, yet still spiritually you'll thrive. So let's get to verses 1 and 2. Those are all the promises of what, what will happen if we will let verses 1 and 2 have their full effect in our hearts. Let's read what it says. Blessed is the man, and I really believe that you can be faithful to scripture and, and read into this the implications of blessed is the woman, blessed is the mother, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. 
But his delight, or her delight, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he or she meditates day and night. Okay, so this is the principle. This is the practice. If you will root down into God's word, if you will root down into God's word for your source of stability, grounding, and nourishment for your soul, then you will enjoy the blessings of verse 3. However, if you root down into the counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, the seat of scoffers, your leaf will wither. You will be barren in terms of spiritual fruit. Okay, that's the principle. So first, what not to do in verse 1. Don't plant yourself in the counsel of the wicked. The counsel of the wicked. Now, when we think wicked, we think really obviously, overtly wicked. We think pitchfork. We think handlebar mustache. No offense, Matt Larkin back there. We think clearly, obviously wicked. But the Bible's definition of wicked is just a lot more general. And in fact, we're all born into a kind of wickedness. And the idea is not to plant yourself in ways of those who don't know, love, or trust God. Because until we're saved by Jesus Christ and are transformed into Christians, we all have wickedness running through our thought patterns, our worldview, our desires. And we're not to walk in the counsel of the wicked, the, the advice of people far from God. So your friends, who you genuinely love and enjoy being around, may not have very good advice. And if you, you may have a friend that's been your friend your entire life, and you would trust them with your life because you know that they really care about you, and yet their thought patterns are not at all informed by Scripture. And you would never, you know, invite them to come and be a Sunday school teacher for your children or something in a million years. And yet, you'll take their advice. You'll let them be a counselor for you. That roots you down into bad soil. It's like red clay soil. You will not grow spiritually. Maybe it's not people that you actually know. Maybe it's opinionated people on TV or writing magazines or self-help book authors or bloggers or podcasters or whatever, wherever you're getting counsel, advice for how to live your life, how to handle your money, how to deal with your looks and fashion and your home and wherever you're getting your source of advice from is a source of your spiritual health. Okay? So don't plant yourself in the counsel of the wicked Don't plant yourself in the way of sinners. Don't plant yourself in the way of sinners. There's a proverb, Proverbs 14, 12, says something to the effect of, there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end of it is death, or the end of it is disaster. There are many ways that seem right, they seem great to man, but until the revelation of God shows the truth, are actually very foolish. And don't lead to life. And don't lead to thriving spiritually. They lead to death. You know, these lifestyle magazines, the culture in general, is not informed by this. And so we should not plant ourselves in those ways. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy a lifestyle magazine. Just know, for, know what it is. It's not God's authoritative word. 
It's the passing fads and opinions of, of men, often who are not guided by the truth. You know, that, and that's why you rarely would ever see a mention of Jesus Christ in any of these things, even though he is the way, the truth, and the life. So third, don't plant yourself in the seat of scoffers. To, to sit in the seat of is the idea of become one of. You know, join that band, that brotherhood, with scoffers. Now, we don't use the word scoffer very much in modern American lingo, but it's the idea of people who come from a prideful point of view and often critique things in a mocking way, basically. Just make fun of stuff. They're proud. They look down their nose at things and people and mock people that disagree with them. Um, I'll tell you the example that came to my mind, even though I really went back and forth on whether to use it or not. But the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about it is that TV show The View. But I've never seen it. I've just seen clips of it. it. Maybe it's great. Maybe you watch it every day and those women are wise and they love the Lord and their worldview is informed by scripture and they're humble. Uh, the clips I've seen seem to indicate otherwise and that's why I think it comes to mind. So if that's a bad example, think of something else. But you don't want to plant yourself in that way so that you become one of those types of people. Scoffers. And that's the main soil that's around. You know, as we're planting our plants at home, the main soil that's around is inhospitable red clay with tons of rocks. That's the soil that's there. And we've tried planting stuff there, and it dies. And so what we've had to do is bring in bags of um, potting soil, new soil, different soil, and it works. And now things are growing and living and surviving. So if we just naturally let our roots spread in this world, it's going to get into some unhealthy soil. We've got to be intentional about our soil, plant ourselves in the law of the Lord, verse 2. So the alternative to all those things I just outlined is verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's good, rich, dark soil for your soul. God's word. It says his delight is in the law of the Lord. That, I, that word delight is just the idea of pleasure. It's delightful to this person. It's pleasurable to this person. It makes me think of the opening scenes of these videos I've seen. Um, it's called coffee, uh, let's see, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee or something like that. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Jerry Seinfeld does it. Um, I'm not, I'm not uh, endorsing them. Um, but they are interesting sometimes. He goes in a classic car and picks up some other famous comedian, and they go and get coffee together and talk. And that's the whole premise of the show. But whenever they arrive at wherever they're getting coffee, they show these just luxurious scenes of, like, someone dipping a scoop into coffee beans, and you hear the sound of the coffee beans. You almost smell the coffee, which to me is wonderful. And some of you, it may be disgusting, but to me, it's very delightful. The whole thing about coffee. So you see him scoop the coffee beans and grind them, and then you see him, uh, you see him pouring the coffee, and you hear the sound of the coffee hitting the mug and steam rising up. And the whole, it's just all so delightful. It makes me want a cup of coffee just thinking about it. That, that feeling of delight, that feeling of pleasure, is, is the idea contained here in this language. Okay, for the wise person, planted like a tree in streams of water, that kind of delight 
is found for them in God's law. Now, God's law is just his written ways, and it can be translated instruction or teaching as well. So it's not just the legal stuff in the Bible. It's his, his word. It's delightful. And so, because it's delightful, rather than cozying up on the phone in a gossipy conversation, this person cozies up with a friend to talk about the scripture, what they've just been reading, what they've been learning, what God's been revealing. Uh, instead of walking out to the beach super excited to read the latest People magazine, it's walking out to the beach with the Bible tucked under the arm. You just can't wait to have some peace and quiet to read God's word. And so because it's delightful, this person naturally meditates day and night on it. Now this isn't some elite spiritual practice meditating on scripture. This isn't something you have to put on yoga pants for and go on the side of a mountain and empty your mind like an Eastern meditation. This is a filling your mind of Scripture and just thinking about it. There's a literal connotation to the word meditate that's murmur. And if you've ever been thinking about something and you're almost talking it through to yourself, reflecting on it, if we will delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night, we will become like a tree planted by a stream of water. And will yield fruit in its season. And our leaf will not wither. And whatever we do will prosper. That's the principle. We'll be thinking as we drive and as we lay down to go to sleep about the scriptures we've taken in that day. And what they mean. And what it tells us about God. And what that tells us about reality. And how that applies to the meeting we're going to have tomorrow. Or the conversation we need to have with our children. And as it more and more creates the pathways in our minds, in our brains. It'll more and more create the pathways of our lives. And we'll get more and more spiritually healthy. Now, some of you are already objecting subconsciously just to the fact of spending that much time with a book. And I understand that. You know, not everybody is comfortable with the idea of just making their life all about reading a book, thinking about a book. And I just want to encourage you not to fret over that I want to encourage you that the Bible always presents this as a natural outflow of changed hearts through Jesus Christ so the answer isn't to just roll up our sleeves and try to get more discipline about being in this word I think maybe the first step is just to simply pray and ask God Lord would you please change my disposition toward your word right now if I'm honest I don't delight in it I don't desire it I don't even understand it when I try to read it so I need your help and I really believe that's a prayer that God would love to answer for you. you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and will watch videos of Christian conferences where megachurch pastors will go and they'll deliver a message to other pastors. And often in these conferences, they'll have a Q&A session at the end. And so all these pastor, pastors will be sitting in armchairs kind of in a semicircle on the stage. And people at the conference can send in questions for them to answer and and they all will, will just explain from their years of experience and their wisdom and the scriptures, the answers to these questions. Often they're practical questions, um, like how did you do it? You know, I'm a pastor of a church of 100 people. You're a pastor of a church of 5,000 people. How did you do it? And so they go, each one goes and explains, well, we started this program, we started that program, and we, um, you know, we did this radical thing. 
And I remember watching one of these Q&A sessions, and it got to a pastor I respect, and he paused, and he said, you know, I think that we can talk about the details of what we did, and mainly it would just be really discouraging to everyone because they're in a different situation, in a different context. And the question was about preaching. How do they preach as well as they do? And he said, you know, honestly, I think the only reason that my ministry has been fruitful is because from the beginning, even when I'm not preparing to preach, I'm just opening my word for my own devotions. I always pray, Father, please show me glorious things in your word. And he said, I just think God has answered that simple prayer. And so I'm just filled with excitement over glorious things from the word. And that's available to anybody. So I would encourage you today, Mother's Day, perhaps that is the only real application of the sermon. Pray, ask the Lord to show you glorious things in his word. And as he shows you glorious things in his word, you'll begin to delight less in the counsel of the wicked and the way of sinners and the seat of scoffers. You'll begin to delight more in God's word. And as your roots settle into this and begin to spread throughout the Old Testament, spread throughout the wisdom literature and the epistles and the gospels and acts, and as your, your spiritual roots get rooted into this rich soil, you will become increasingly like a tree planted by rivers of water. You will yield your fruit in its season. Your leaf will not wither. In all that you do, you will prosper. That's my prayer for you this Mother's Day. Let's bow together. Father, I just have one request coming out of that passage. Will you please, for each and every person that you brought here today, will you please give them a genuine desire and delight in your word? And when they open it up, the next time they open it up, this afternoon or this evening before bed or tomorrow morning before the family gets up, would you show them glorious things in your word? Please, in Jesus' name, amen.